Good We pray, Father, that you will remove it right now in the name of Jesus. God, we want to worship you freely this morning, Father God. And so we release ourselves, we surrender ourselves to you, and we pray to God that you would have your way in this service. God, we invite you into this place. Now, God, let it be for your glory and your praise. We love you. Bless the word this morning in Jesus' name. And every heart said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord on this morning. 
We're going to finish strong in everything that we do. In this race that we run, you gotta have endurance, cause it's a marathon. I was born, shown up to win, in pursuit with things. Until the end, I'm going to have a strong finish. Because I have strong faith. I'm going to have a strong finish. I have strong faith. I'm going to have a strong finish. Because I have strong faith. I'm going to have a strong finish. I have strong faith. Life's transitions all in my way. But still I'm all worked up each and every day. No matter what, I'll continue to run for the rest of my life. Till my work is done, I'm going to have a strong finish. Because I have strong faith. I'm going to have a strong finish. I have strong faith. I'm going to have a strong finish. Because I have I'm going to have a strong finish. I have strong faith. Do the dance, a strong finish, strong finish, strong finish. Everybody lift it up, saying strong finish, strong finish. I have strong faith. Do the dance, a strong finish, strong finish, strong finish. Everybody lift it up, saying strong finish, strong finish. I have strong faith. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. We're going to have strong faith on this morning. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise. The promise he did with me through every step that I I'm going to have a strong faith. I'm going to have a strong faith. Because I have strong faith. I'm going to have a strong faith. I have strong faith. I'm going to have a strong faith. Because I have strong faith. I'm going to have a strong faith. I have strong faith. Strong finish, strong finish. 
chopped it up saying strong finish strong finish i have strong faith you the chance say strong finish strong finish strong finish everybody lift it up saying strong finish strong finish i have strong faith hallelujah 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 Let's praise him this morning. Good morning, everyone. Come on. I mean, you want a strong finish. You want to finish this journey strong. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, let's praise him. Good morning, everybody. Come on. Oh, Lord. Amen. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Amen. Hasn't God been good to us? Come on, let's thank him. How many of you want a strong finish? Amen. Starting is good, but how you finish, amen. Falling down is one thing. But getting back up is another, amen. And when you can get back up, come on, somebody, in the midst of everything that you're going through, come on, somebody, amen. In spite of what the devil said, come on, somebody, you got up, amen. And you can determine now that you're going to have, come on, somebody, a strong, strong finish, amen. We give God all the praise and all the honor this morning. We thank God for his grace. We thank God for meeting us here once again in his house. I was glad when they said unto me, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. This Sunday is our men on the front line Sunday. Praise God. Amen. I wish somebody would take a picture of these men. Amen. Men on their post. Amen. Men are ushering. Men are leading. Men are serving God. Amen. And so we're grateful to God, amen, that God has blessed us to um, re reorganize, amen, and re-revive, amen, the ministries of our church. Uh, I thank God for uh, forward-looking vision, amen. Without vision, the Bible says the people perish. That word vision in the Hebrew is the word revelation. Without revelation from the word of God, 
the people of God perish. Amen. And oftentimes we realize, saints, that <clears throat> if you don't know where you're going, how you know where you're going? And then not only that, if you don't have a vision, <laughs> amen. That's, that didn't make sense right there. But think about what I just said. If you don't know where you're going, then how you know where you're going? Amen. How you know where you're going to end up? Amen. So without vision, the people perish. Amen. And so today, uh, I'm grateful, amen, that God has given us a, a new look as to where we're going as men. Amen. <clears throat> just had a conversation with them. And I was talking about uh, what Jesus said to his disciples. He says, no one who wants to build a tower <clears throat> does not first sit down and calculate the cost. I want to tell you something. It costs you something. Amen. It will cost you something to follow Jesus. As a disciple, you have to realize that there's a price you have to pay. And that's anything in life, right? Anything you decide you want to do, you got to figure out, are you willing to pay the cost? Amen. And so, uh, or pay the price for doing it. And, and I often ask myself, amen, is it worth it? And I want to tell you something. I've concluded, amen, that I haven't really given up anything, amen, that I didn't need to give up, amen. But thank God, amen, that when you look, look at what you've created, and what you've given up, you'll realize that you made the right choice. And so Jesus asked his disciples the question, do y'all really know the cost or the price of following me? Amen. I want to tell you something. There's a price that we all have to pay. Amen. There's some people. And in the context of that passage, there are certain people that he said that he, and, and this is the relationship he used. He said, father, mother, sister, brother, wife, children, and even yourself. He says, you can't love yourself so much so, in other words, or anything else more than me. I thought about that for a minute. I started to really ponder that. And I started to say to myself, man, that's a that's a high price. It's a high price. Because what he's saying is, you can't love them more than me. Some of us, we know the story. We love our kids way more than we love him. Because we're willing to pay the price. Jesus is saying, are you willing to pay the price to be my disciple? Amen. What price is that? Amen. He says, to love me more than these. And can I tell you something? When you love Jesus, y'all, come on, somebody. This is not a sad story, y'all. This is a good story. Amen. I looked at that this morning. I said, Lord, I love you. But how much do I love you? Do I love you more and more every day? Can I tell you something? When you love Jesus, oh, hallelujah to his holy name. Not only will he love you back, saints, but then he'll teach you how to love. He'll teach you how to love your mother, how to love your brothers, how to love your sisters, how to love your children, and even how to love yourself. When you learn to love him, you know, we're getting ready for Resurrection Sunday, <clears throat> and I hope that you invite someone 
Matter of fact, that week we have we have uh, resurrection. We have Holy Week revival every night. Amen. From seven to eight every night. Amen. We'll be having revival, and I hope that you come. We'll be having different preachers and teachers that those nights from the seminary, and I, I will be preaching on Thursday night, and then Friday night we'll close out with Good Friday. You know why it's called a Good Friday? Amen. It may be good for us. Amen. But it wasn't good for Jesus. But here's the thing. It's good. It's a good Friday because on that Friday, Jesus made a decision. Amen. It was good because he gave his life as a ransom for us. Isn't he amazing, God, y'all, that he would give his life as a ransom so that you and I would have the free gift of eternal life? Come on, somebody. And you're telling me now that it's so hard to serve him. Come on, somebody. That I wouldn't pay the price? May I ask you a question? Would you hang on a cross for somebody else? Come on, somebody. A stranger at that? No, I don't think so. Amen. But he did it for us. And, and, and what Jesus said is that I gave my life up as the example of what it looks like to pay the price. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Amen. And so that's the cost. So sometimes we have to understand that we got to give up some stuff. Stuff we like doing, like we're fasting right now. Amen. I know some of you are struggling. Already. I already know. You're struggling. But think about the price. Think about what Jesus did for you. Come on and help me somebody. And the only thing he asks of you is to be my disciple. I am grateful to be a disciple of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen? Amen. Uh, we, we're getting ready on this Saturday. We'll have our marriage ER2. That's Saturday at 10 a.m. Amen. I hope uh, married, married people and even the single people, if you want to join us, you can. Uh, you can register online if you, if you plan on getting married. Uh, we have a lot of good information. Amen. Uh, it's a great marriage. ER is uh, one of the blessed ministries uh, programs that we do here at our church. And I hope to God that you join us. Amen. I want to also put something out here. Uh, we're looking for anyone who's interested in working with children. Amen. In our children's ministry, uh, we're looking for, uh, a matter of fact, uh, the teenagers and the children's ministry. Amen. Uh, so if you're interested in that, uh, come talk to me about that. I want to, we want to put together a, uh, a, a group of people. We want to plan first before we proceed on how we're going to get our children back to learning about God. Amen. So uh, our teenagers and our children, young children. Amen. So please, if you're interested in doing that, uh, please come see me. Just we have a meeting coming up um, in a in about a week, couple weeks. Amen. And we want to be part of want you to be part of that if you can. Amen. We want to talk about the direction we want to take our children. The, the vision that God has given me for the children is to uh, first get them back into 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 a routine but also to gauge their growth. So, so they come in on this level 
by the end of the school year, we want to see, okay, they've grown spiritually. Now, like class 101, 201, and 301, we're going to move them as they are growing spiritually. That, that's strategy, y'all. Amen. We want to see. I don't want your kids to leave this church or to be part of this church and then go on down the road later on in life and they know nothing about Jesus. They will just come into church. They know a few things, a few books of the Bible, and, but, the, but they don't know how to use it in their everyday life. So that's the goal, amen? So I just wanted to let you know we're looking for some people uh, to do that. Also, the young adults, amen, 18 to 35, they have put together a, a, uh, a, a, a they're putting together a group right now. Want you, if, you, if you did not get an invite to that yet, uh, see Yadari, amen, she's heading that up. Amen. For the young adults, for the young adults, amen, 18 to 35, amen, we are getting ready to do something here in this church that's going to keep this church going forward. Amen. 18 to 35, male or female. At first, I had it just for female, but I figured I had to let the guys in. Amen. All right. So 18 to 35, amen, you can be part of this, this, this group. They don't have a name yet, <laughs> so you could be part of that planning process with that. Amen? All right. We're going to make ready now to worship God. Where, where were we at? Our deficit for last week. Amen? Our deficit for last week. Uh, we were a little behind. Amen? But uh, we'll make ready now to worship God with our gifts. Amen? It's offering time. Come on, let's worship God. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the givers. Thank you for the hands, the hearts, and the lives of the people, God, who have given to this church, God. Lord, we understand, Lord, that you miraculously keep this church every month, every year. For 17 years, you've been keeping us, Lord. And I thank you for that. Bless the givers now. Bless their lives. Let them realize how blessed it is to give, God that you have windows in heaven, that you will pour out blessings upon their lives. Thank you this morning for these gifts. And Lord, we pray that you clear out our deficits in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank God. Amen. All right. Okay, today uh, I want to begin a new series um, here at 9 a.m. We will begin a new series entitled Face to Face. Amen. 
So if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. I'm actually going to do, do, do the whole chapter, but I'm just going to go to verse 15 and 16 for now. Amen. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Amen. I want to talk about this morning face to face. Our first character we're going to look at today is Paul. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. I ask for the forgiveness of my sins. Clear my mind and heart, Lord. Allow me now to be used by you today. Touch the hearts of your people. And God, speak now through this series. Bless it. May our lives be transformed by it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God you may be seated. Thank you, ushers. Amen. Thank you, men. Amen. 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 Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, face to face. Amen. This series, face to face, we will be looking at different characters, uh, different people in scripture who had come face to face with God. I have a question for you this morning. Before you gave, gave your life to Jesus, before you came to Jesus, what was your life like? Amen. Now, I'll say this to you, that many of us come from different walks of life. Many of us have had different experiences in life. And many of us have had different spiritual experiences encounters with God. I don't know about you, but I remember what my life was like before I met Jesus. When Saul met Jesus, his life was radically transformed. Jesus provided him with a new perspective on life, a new identity, a new mission in life. I believe that when you come face to face with God, you will come to see yourself for who you really are. A sinner born in sin, shaped in iniquity, needing a savior. As a matter of fact, some of you may not be able to understand really comprehend why you used to do the things you used to do. Do I have anybody? When you come to Christ or when you come face to face with God, it doesn't mean that everything is going to change overnight. But there are a few things that changes immediately. I want to say to you today that I hope that throughout this series, you can realize that when you come face to face with the master, the God who is a personal God, the God who is Il Ilyon, the God who is Jehovah Jireh, 
the God who is a wheel in the middle of the wheel, the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even think, that, that God, I believe that not only can he provide the same thing for you, but he can also provide the same things for those who are around you. What does Jesus provide for us? We'll discover this in this series that when we come face to face with God, that our lives really takes a turn for the better. I sent out a, a link yesterday to my men to watch a movie. I'm not sure if they watched it, but it's a very interesting movie, and I hope they do watch it. It's about this man named Kilroy. He was a gang leader born in Los Angeles, and he lived a very depraved life. He was a murderer, a killer, drug dealer. And after 40 years in prison, he finally found Jesus. One scene in the movie, he came to his, his aunt came to him and he said, I thought she was coming and I was going to hit her up for some drugs. See what kind of drug she was on because she looked so happy. She looked like she was just in another place. As he sat down with her and, to, and she talked to him, she started to talk to him about Jesus. He says, I've already heard about Jesus. And she said to him, well, you've been saying that for 40 years and your life hasn't changed. So would you like to accept Jesus? That moment he accepted Christ. And in that moment he understood that she wasn't high. She was just filled with the Holy Ghost. This man who after 40 years of killing. And he was a high level killer. Mafia. Mexican mafia. True story. They wanted to find out what happened to him. So they brought in psychiatrists and doctors and all these head doctors to figure out what happened to him. He says, nothing really happened to me. I had an encounter with Jesus. You see, it's hard to believe sometimes. But when you come face to face with Jesus, no doctor can help you. No psychiatrist can help you. No Positive thinking can help you, but there's something about coming face to face with Jesus. Do I have anybody? Saul in our passage today, some of you know him as Paul. Some have wrongly said that Jesus changed his name, but Jesus didn't change his name. His name was Saul Paul. That time, he had a Roman name, and he had a Jewish name. I wish I had somebody. He was proud of his Jewish heritage. Saul's name was also Paul. The custom at this particular time was to have dual names. From the verse we find out in the book of Acts that Saul's name was 
attached to his character. He was zealous. He was devoted to persecuting Christians. This man was not the man that you would think that God could use, that God would ever use. I imagine Kilroy thought the same thing because at one point, some of his gang members started converting to Christianity and they were going out killing preachers and the street evangelists and they were killing them for converting their men to Christ because they said that they could only swear allegiance to one person and that is the gang. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help you to understand that you got to ask yourself a question. Have you really come face to face with Jesus? You see, Saul, after a time, God used him. But the beginning part of his life, you would not think that God would take a man like this and do something with him. I want to tell you something. Don't ever overlook anybody. Don't ever give up on anybody because God is the only one that can really transform a life. You look at verse one, it says, now Saul, who was Paul, still breathing threats and murders against what? The disciples of the Lord went to the high priest. Now, remember, he's Jewish. He knows the law. He's a man that that is zealous for God, but he's misinformed. The Bible says in verse 2, and he asked for letters from the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he was traveling, and while he was traveling, the Bible says... As he was approaching Damascus, I want to say to somebody here today, I don't know if you've had a Damascus Road experience, but I know I have. You see, I believe that sometimes we got to go through something. Come on, somebody. And sometimes you got to understand that what you're going through may be the very thing that God uses to transform. The Bible says he was coming down as he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell on the ground. Look at the text. Amen. And heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Now, Jesus had already ascended. Are you with me? He's already sitting at the right hand, and so Saul now has a post-resurrection experience with Jesus Christ. He heard his voice. And I want to tell somebody that when you have an encounter with Jesus, he will stop you in your tracks. Verse 5, it says, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Can I tell you something? You got to be careful how you treat other Christians. You got to be careful how 
you interact with one another because I want to tell you that when you do to one other per other Christians, you're doing it to Jesus. Do I have anybody? And so when you come face to face with Jesus, I believe the first thing that happens is, here's the first thing that's happened. You have a new heart. He gives you a new heart. There's no way that I could stand here today to tell you about Jesus if my heart had not been changed. Anybody here got a new heart? You don't feel the way you used to feel. You don't act the way you used to act. Listen to this. Listen, he was an instrument for the devil, yet God had a plan for him. But God could not use him unless he changed his heart. And can I tell you something? Only God can change our hearts. He was very violent man. He, he was full of zeal for the wrong reasons. In his heart was depravity. In his heart was darkness. And I want to say to somebody here, until our hearts change, we will never change. Your behavior won't change. Your actions will not change. Your mindset will not change unless you have a new heart. But when you come face to face with Jesus, you'll recognize that you have a new heart. The Bible says he was killing Christians. Saul was there when all of this stuff was going down and he persecuted them. He, he, he killed them. He came into agreement that I'm going to kill Christians. He made it. Isn't that amazing how some people in their hearts, they have a hatred for certain people? Come on, help me, y'all. It's like, where does that really come from? And I believe this. I believe until our hearts change, we won't know how to love. What I was talking about earlier, See, you can't love Jesus if your heart ain't changed. And when your heart isn't changed, yes, you will find it difficult to love Jesus and your father and your mother and your, and your children and your husband and your wife. Watch this. And Jesus said, I want, you, I want to be first on that list. I, I realized something. I can't put him first if he's not first in my heart. But when you come face to face with Jesus, gives you a new heart, saints. Aren't you glad you got a new heart? Anybody here got a new heart? Come on, somebody. Anybody here? Aren't you glad that you don't feel the way you used to feel? Listen, because if you really was the person you used to be, oh, I wish, come on and help me, somebody. There's some people that you would write off. There's some things that you'll still be involved in. Why? But you had an encounter with Jesus. Face to face. Look at verse, gives you a new heart. He went from persecutor to preacher, to evangelist, to counselor, to a witness, to a survivor, to a servant, to a brother in Christ. Come on, that just don't happen overnight. This and that, that, listen, you can change your behavior, but listen, that can only last so long. So I realized that the reason why I am what I am today is because I came face to face with Jesus and he gave me a new heart. When you have a new heart, yo, 
when you have a new heart. <laughs> Come on and help me, somebody. When you have a new heart, y'all. Come on, somebody. You can love those who are difficult. You can go through some things in life because you have a new heart. When you come face to face with Jesus. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, but he, he says, who are you, Lord? He says, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. Oh, I wish I had somebody. I remember my encounter with Jesus. May I ask you a question? Do you remember your encounter with Jesus? Do you remember when you had to throw your hands up and say, I can't do this no more? Not everybody got to go through the gutter to get to Jesus, but I want to tell you something. We were all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Come on, somebody. And even on your good day, it was your worst day. But until you met Jesus, you didn't realize how messed up you was. Hey, come on, somebody. And not only was you messed up, but you couldn't do anything about it. But oh, when you met Jesus. Oh, I'm talking about Jesus. I wish I had a few people in here who knew, really know Jesus. Come on, somebody. I said Jesus. I said Jesus, y'all. I ain't talking about nobody else today, but I realize I come face to face with Jesus. You come to understand that you can't do nothing without him. You understand that he's unchanging. You understand that he is a wonderful counselor. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the mighty God. Come on, somebody. He is a refuge, and he is your, your rising star. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about Jesus, and I'm talking about having a new heart. I ain't talking about making room in my heart. I'm talking about him giving me a new heart. Yeah, it's 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, 8, 8 o'clock, whatever clock it is, but I want to tell you something. When you got a new heart, it don't really matter how far you got to drive, how early you got to get up, because you understand that you're not what you used to be unless you're still the same. The Bible says that he was persecuting the Christians. Here's a man that God used. Ah, you know, people struggle with David. <laughs> I told a guy this long time ago, he just couldn't, un couldn't understand. How can David be a man after God's own heart and still commit adultery? You're looking at his behavior, not his heart. I wish I had somebody. You all get weak. We all get weak. And as long as we're in this body, we're going to do some stuff that watches our flesh wants, but what's really in your heart, God knows it. And when he gives you a new heart, oh, let me talk to you for a minute. When he gives you a new heart, you'll know it. You may have a mess up one time, but if you keep having a mess up, then now you're nursing your depravity. Now you like what you're doing. Amen. So I wonder now what's really in your heart. David messed up one time, but he still was a man after God's own heart. Look at verse 6. He said, but get up, man, and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you what? 
must do. When we come face to face with Jesus, the second thing is we have a new pursuit. Ask your question. What are you pursuing? <laughs> what are you pursuing? Success? Entrepreneurship? Fame? Fortune? Attention? What is it? Huh? Good questions. But when you come face to face with Jesus, he will tell you what you need to do. And not only will he tell you what you need to do, but you will be in agreement to what he said you must do. Lord have mercy. Nobody has to wake me up on Sunday morning. My pursuit, saints, has been the same since I came face to face with Jesus. Do I have a witness? Do I have anybody here that your pursuit has changed? What are you chasing? Do I have anybody? You say, I don't chase women. No, I mean, I don't chase. I want to help me somebody. That's what pursuit means. Let me give you an uh, easier word. What you're chasing. Whatever your pursuit is in life, that is what you will become. You say, but why can't I pursue this and that? It's called balance. But when you come face to face, he will tell you what you need to do and you will run after that. And nothing will deter you from your mission. Why? Because the text goes on to say, when it says must do, it means it's necessary. Look at verse 7. The men traveled with him, stood speechless, hearing the voice and seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were what? Open, he could not see. Imagine living like that. Leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight. He neither ate nor drank. No. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up. Tell your neighbor, new pursuit. See, God will take you from a crooked street and put you on straight street blind. But he'll give you a guide. Y'all ain't trying to hit me. He'll give you a guide to get to straight street. Thank you, Lord, that I'm walking on straight street now. Come on, help me somebody. Isn't that amazing that here in Damascus, the street name was straight. Y'all ain't hearing me. The text goes on to say, and inquire at the house of Judas, not Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus, but a conformed Judas, 
a saved Judas, a real Judas. You with me? For a man from Tarshish named Saul, for he is what? Not only is he fasting, but he's praying. Isn't that something? A new pursuit. A new heart. When you come to Jesus, fasting ain't going to be no problem to you. Because you're going to find out it's necessary. Because when you're standing on straight street, it makes sense. Verse 12. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hand on him so that he might regain his what? Sight. Ananias answered, Lord, here it is. I've heard from many about this man. How much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Okay. He has a reputation. It ain't no good reputation either. But you see why he has to have a new heart? He don't have to prove anything to anybody. He's blind. Fasting and praying. And sometimes it's hard to believe that God would take a man like that or a woman like that, come on, somebody, and put them on straight street. I'm so glad you're not God. Because if you were God, you wouldn't save me. Oh, I wish I had somebody. All you're going to think about is the hurt I caused in your life. But thank God that he looks past our faults. He looks beyond our faults. And he sees our need. And the need that he sees is that we all need to come face to face with him. To change our hearts. Not only does he have a new pursuit. But check this out. He has a new passion. Let me tell you something about passion. Passion has two sides to it. You see, his past may be rem remembered by others. But God gave him a new passion in life. Just like he was pursuing with with, with an evil passion, two sides, to kill and destroy those who call themselves Christians, God changed his heart, so he changed his passion. His pursuit. Now, passion in this context is really sacrifice and suffering. You see, it was Jesus' experience, what we call the last week of his life, we call it Passion Week. That passion that Jesus had equated to suffering. Listen, 
as Paul did for most of his Christian life. He suffered. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was betrayed. Listen, he was hungry. He was thirsty. He was abandoned. But he did not quit. Here's where I'm going with this. Here's how I know if some of you have really gotten a face-to-face -face with Jesus. You never quit. Because your passion is so strong for him. Because of what you've been through. Can I ask you a question? Is your passion keeping? You see, Paul's passion kept him grounded and kept him relying on Jesus no matter how much persecution. Some of you don't understand that what you're going through is preparation, but you're looking at it is that you're like you're being picked on, but God is saying, I'm trying to change your passion so you understand that no matter what you're going through, you're going to rely on me to get you through. That's why I'm passionate, y'all. Because of what I've been through. I don't forget what I've been through. I have not forgotten, y'all. And I want to ask you something today. Have you forgotten where he's brought you from? What is holding you here? If it ain't passion, then what is it? See, if passion equates to suffering, most people run at the first sign of suffering. But if you hold on, yeah, your car going to break. Yeah, your job's going to trip. Yeah, your, your mama going to trip out on you or people going to trip. Your wife going to leave. Your husband going to leave you. Your children going to turn their backs on you. They're going to betray you. But if you hold on to God's unchanging hands, if you realize that it's a process to get to sanctification, if you hold on to your passion, What's driving you? What's really driving you? I won't quit, y'all. I'm going to tell you something. I won't quit. I'm telling you something. I will never quit. I can stand flat-footed and tell you there's some things I'm going to do. But that one thing I'm not going to do, I ain't leaving Jesus. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to finish the race. That's set before me because my passion outweighs my problems. Do you hear me? It drives me. Passion drives me. I'm, I'm, I love graphic design, okay? I don't like it. I love it. And sometimes rather than do my work, I get caught up in the passion of design. Then all of a sudden, a day goes by. Three days go by. Listen, and I have not finished my client's work because I'm so caught up in my passion of design. I don't like bring the same thing to my Christian life. Sometimes I get caught up in passion. When the devil hits me, what keeps me going, what keeps me strong is because I'm passionate about Jesus Christ. Because I've came face to face 
with him. He keeps me grounded. Your passion. Verse 15. I got to go on home. Lord said to him, go, man. I know you're scared of his reputation. I know he's zealous, but he's got a new what? Heart. He's got a new pursuit. Come on, somebody. He's got a new passion. But watch the text. The text says, and the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Chosen before the foundation of the world. Don't you know how precious you are? If you don't see your value, then if God knows your value and he sees it and he's telling you, you're chosen. All of you are chosen. He says, he's a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name where? Before what? Had Paul not gotten saved, we wouldn't hear the gospel. Did you know that? Did y'all know that? Had Paul, Saul, not did what he was sent to do, we would not be here today. Look what he says. To bring his name before Gentiles, kings, and the sons of Israel. Jews, Gentiles, and high officials. Verse 16, though, passion. For I will show him. And you know what's interesting about that? He says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Let me, let me just unpack that real quick. I got no minutes. But let me unpack it anyways. He says, I will, hold on a minute. He had what I call the ministry of suffering. Now, I don't think it's based on how bad he was. I just believe that Saul understood that when you come face to face with Jesus, even suffering will not deter you. So what does that mean? When you come face to face with Jesus, you have a new purpose. Man, you got a new purpose. All I thought about in my depraved life was money. Is it? My mind was locked in. Money was my God. You couldn't stop me because I was passionate and I pursued everything to get it. When I became a Hindu, I pursued it because I thought I was serving the real God. With everything I had, God took the same zeal and the same passion and the same pursuit, and he gave me Jesus. And I'm so glad, saints, because I found out something. God wants to give you the same thing. You see, if you have a checkbook, and you get a bank statement whose balance does not agree with yours. There's a problem. The problem you have is a reconciliation problem. 
There has to be a reconciliation. The only way to get that reconciliation is to find out where the problem is. You have to be able to identify why two, the two numbers aren't aligning with each other. Come on, help me. When the bank balances does not match, we don't just throw up our hands and say, oh, it'll work out itself. No, we work to find the error and fix it. Jesus Christ is our fix to the error of sin. He came to reconcile us to God. He lived for 33 years to fulfill all righteousness and to bring into balance, bring us into balance with God's righteousness. He did this because we could not do it ourselves. Oh, when you come face to face with Jesus, you get a new heart. You have a new passion. You have a new purpose. You have a new pursuit. And you can live powerfully because you've come face to face with Jesus. Give God a hand clap for me. Thank you, Jesus. I find it fitting that God would allow me to start with Paul. <laughs> I was just having a conversation with Reverend James the other day. He said, Pastor, you know, the more I hear you preach, the more I think you like Paul. So, yep. If you only knew where I'm going in my sermon, well, thank you for that confirmation. You see, I feel like we all have, can look at a Bible character and see ourselves. And I believe that Paul is the one that I would gravitate to. Because I've been through a lot as a Christian. But what hasn't stopped me why haven't I stopped? It's because I really got a new heart. And I want to say to somebody here today, do you really have a new heart? Is your heart really, really for Jesus? Have you really been changed? And if you need prayer this morning, I do want to pray for you this morning. You know, there's a song that says, I'm chasing after you. I'm chasing after you. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul yearns for the Lord, thirsts for the Lord. Ask your question. Do you need a new heart today? Do you need a new purpose today? If you need prayer this morning, I want to pray for you. I do want to pray for you this morning. If there's anything that you need prayer for, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want, I want to have that passion. I want to have that pursuit. This is not nothing you can really like drum up or try to think about to do. Okay, I'm going to do it. No, God has to change your heart for you to do it. And if you're saved and you, you've lost your zeal, I, I'm asking you, what's going on? Because when you give your life to Jesus, nobody has to pump you. 
You know why some people drive way distances to go to that church? You know why? Because they really had an encounter with you. It's because they're like, man, that's where I met Christ. You see, I used to try to figure it out, but can't figure this out. You have something to do. Okay. Now are you going to do it? And if you're not going to do it, then eventually you will do it. Don't wait till you're backed into a corner to do it. I asked myself a question. Why did Paul suffer so much stuff, yet he kept going? Passion. And he understood his purpose. That purpose was not revealed to him that he would go to the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel until later on. So it was an act of faith for Paul. So if you need prayer, I want to pray for you today. Amen. If you need prayer, I want to pray for you today. If you're here today and you're a believer, but maybe you've fallen back from the Lord and you want to be restored back to Jesus, get back to that place, place of service, place of commitment for him, to him. Amen. Would you come? Uh, if you're here today and um, you have not accepted Jesus and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, how, how, how ironic it is to accept Jesus and not be on fire for Jesus. Maybe sin or something else has come into your life that's stopped you, stopping you. Would you come? If you're here today and you have not accepted him at all, you can come today. We will show you how to receive Christ into your heart so that you can get that new heart. Then, then lastly, if you need a church home today, you can join this church if you're watching online, wherever you are. Right. I thank Jesus. I just thank him uh, for what he what he does, what he's doing. And next week we'll look at Saul post salvation. I want to want to show you him as a Christian. When you come face to face with Jesus, your story doesn't end there. Now I want to show you his pursuit of his purpose. 
Come on, help me somebody. And how he gave up a whole lot of things to carry out the mission that he was born for. And some of us, we got some things in the way that's stopping us. Jesus wants to do something with you. Amen. Let him do it. Let's stand to be dismissed. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for we begin this series now face to face. Let us come face to face with you this week and every day of our lives we can do that through prayer. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us a new heart, Lord. We don't take for granted, but you've reconciled us. And I thank you for that. Give us safe traveling mercies now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God. Hold on one second. Um, let's sing happy birthday to Jasmine. Today's her birthday. Put on blast. Amen. You know, they used to do that back in the day. But we want to sing happy birthday to you. Amen. Come on, let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. And many more. Amen. Many more. Uh, Vision Church, win, disciple, develop. God bless you. See you at 11, some of you.